the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, broadcasting from my offices in San Jose, California, in the Cambrian Park area. I just returned back from um, a few days at Disneyland with my family. We had a great time. The weather was beautiful. It was really crowded, but uh, we were able to get on every ride that we wanted to go on, including the new ride uh, in uh, Star Wars land, which we were able to get to twice consecutive days. I have my fast fingers on my app were able to get us boarding groups that allowed us to go on that ride. It was a pretty good ride, I would have to say. I was a little bit nervous going on it because I knew it had a drop in it. I need to kind of worry about that because I do have higher blood pressure than I should. But I survived, and here I am behind the microphone today talking to you live from San Jose. Now, last Friday, I uh, let it be known that this show today, I would be talking about the SECURE Act, which is a new piece of federal legislation that went into effect on January 1 of this year. Uh, The full title of the act, and you got to love how they name acts in Congress, this Makes almost no sense at all, but it's the setting every community up for retirement enhancement act of 2019. Setting every community up retirement enhancement secure. So I'm not really sure that that the title of it really tells you what it's all about or what the ramifications are. I'm going to share with you uh, today a few of the not specifically estate planning things that the law does, but then I'm going to focus primarily on how it impacts the inheritance and passing on of retirement plans to spouses and others after you have died. Now, first of all, from my financial side, I'm not a financial planner, although I do have that background in in my history. Um, I was a financial planner at a at a major brokerage for a while. I also have cross-training in insurance and securities, but I don't really practice in those fields. But some of the things that this new SECURE Act did, um, and very intentionally did, uh, first of all, makes it easier for small businesses to set up 401k plans because uh, 
now they can uh, automatically enroll their workers in what are so-called safe harbor plans, uh, and it raises the the cap from 10% of wages to 15% of wages, which will make it easier for smaller businesses to actually create 401k plans for their employees. Uh, There's also um, um, part-time employees uh, who've worked either 1,000 hours or have three consecutive years with 500 hours of service. They'd be able to sign up in retirement plans as well if businesses want them to do that. Um, Plan sponsors can now provide, if they wish, annuities as an option um, rather than um, having them be liable for the payout, they can offer an annuity option where basically you purchase an annuity and the annuity company guarantees your payout of your retirement monies. Um, for those of us who are older, the required minimum distribution age, which up to the end of last year started at age 70 and a half, has been pushed back to age 72 um, and that is for those of us who are not yet 70 and a half by the end of 2019. I fall in that category. I still have a, a number of more years before I reach 70 and a half. But now I get to go till 72 before I'm required to take distributions out of my retirement monies. Um, it allows, and this is a neat one, allows the use of tax advantage 529 college savings accounts for qualified student loan repayments, up to $10,000 annually. So that means that if you had a uh, 529 account set up for you, it sounds like now you'd be able to use um, monies from that account to pay back your student loans that you may have accrued while in college. Another uh, nice thing, I think, which is very encouraging, if if you believe that uh, children... Um, need to have a home they're raised in, and adoption is a good thing. I'm adopted myself, so I'm pro-adoption. It permits penalty-free withdrawals of $5,000 from a 401k account, basically to help um, uh, take care of some of the costs of having a child or adopting a child. So that's kind of neat, too. Um, You know, having childbirth can be expensive if you don't have insurance covering that. Being able to take money out of your 401k pound to to play for that, uh, to pay for that rather, not play for that. Maybe you played beforehand. Um, That is a good thing. That that means that the money, uh, and it's penalty free, which means that there's no early withdrawal penalty, which there normally would be if you weren't old enough yet. Um. So, uh, and then the other thing is um, employers will be encouraged to put more annuities in 401k plans because it would take away their legal liability if um, if someone opts to go with the annuity option rather than the employer acting as the one managing um, managing the plan, the 401k plan for the employee, which is often the case with larger companies. So those are some of the financial side aspects of the SECURE Act. But I'm going to be spending most of my time today talking about something that's been in the law for a while called the Stretch IRA. And the Stretch IRA, up to the end of last year, allowed 
um, both spouses and non-spouses inheriting a retirement account to spread out the withdrawals from that retirement account often over their lifetimes. Now, what that would mean is if, for example, a 65-year-old father passes away with a 401k plan and names his 35- and 37-year-old children, they would be able to take or used to be able to take um, and spread out the distribution from dad's 401k plan in an inherited IRA and actually have minimum distributions coming out based on the life expectancy of the 35- and 37-year-old child. That means that they could have a retirement plan conceivably being distributed out for 30, 40, 50, maybe even 60 years after the parent died. This minimizes or minimize the income tax hit when monies came out of the retirement plan, and it also gave uh, the person with the inherited IRA the flexibility to take more funds out without any penalty, just paying the income tax on the monies withdrawn, and be able to use it as a retirement account for their own retirement. Well, the SECURE Act basically took the stretch IRA, and it's now severely limited as to who is eligible for that. When I come back after this first break, I'm going to delve into the old rules and the new rules and the very and, and why Congress has done this, why Congress has done this to those people who have spent um, many, many years often accumulating monies in their retirement plans, thinking it was going to be able to be passed on to their children later on, and now they're going to be sadly mistaken. So when we come back after the break, uh, by the way, I'm not taking calls today. This is strictly an informational show, so stay tuned for after the break when we come back with Plan Your State Radio with attorney Bob Bergman as I continue talking about the SECURE Act that took effect this year. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Well, before the break, I promised I would be talking about the SECURE Act. Uh, If you just tuned in, that's the new legislation that was just brought in by Congress, took effect January 1 of this year. The Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act of 2019, um, cleverly called the SECURE Act. Now, let me talk about, um, I'm going to talk about inherited IRAs. Uh, Because before the SECURE Act went into place, let me explain what that means. Basically, uh, when you have a retirement plan, you're required to start taking minimum distributions from that retirement plan when you reach a certain age. Prior to January 1, that was age 70 and a half. It has now been moved to age 72. In fact, a lot of the Things in the SECURE Act are going to have a cost associated with them when we're talking about uh, lower tax revenues for the government. So SECURE was actually created by Congress to take close to $16 billion in additional income taxes from retirement plans over the next 10 years 
and that's to finance other changes in retirement plan law, uh, such as the things that I talked about in the first segment. Um, basically extending the time for minimum distributions. There's also They're also going to allow you to make IRA contributions after age 70 and a half, which is new as well. That means continuing to contribute to a retirement plan even when you've passed the time last year that you had to start taking money out. Now, the problem is that the inherited IRA, which basically I, I don't like the term. I'll, uh, I would say it should have been called inherited retirement plan. How the inherited IRA worked was this. If dad died with a 401k plan and then left the account to his son, John, we'll say uh, who's 35, John would be able to actually take an inherited IRA, which would have been an IRA in dad's name for the benefit of his son, John. And then John would be able to take minimum distributions out over his lifetime. Clearly, if dad had a large 401k plan, you know, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, being able to spread the minimum distributions out over John's lifetime using John's life expectancy, which is much longer than his father's was, because his father was, say, thirty years older, well that would mean he could spread the income tax liability out over that time as well. Um before this year, uh if uh, if the uh, the general rule was that if someone in a retirement plan died before he started taking his required minimum distributions, then the account had to be distributed within five years after that person's death unless the benefits were left to a, quote, designated beneficiary, a de- or I'll call a DB, a designated beneficiary, in which case... It could be distributed over the lifetime of the beneficiary, the life expectancy of the designated beneficiary. That was huge. Now, if the person with the plan died after they started receiving their minimum distributions, then the benefits had to be paid out at least as quickly as under the payout method being used at the time of that person's death, Um, which means that um, pretty much you received as the inherited IRA beneficiary the payout schedule of the of the person that died. So that was it, but you had to be a designated beneficiary. And designated beneficiaries beforehand were either individuals or certain types of trust that were drafted to be specifically the beneficiary of a retirement plan. Designated beneficiaries could not include charities or somebody's estate, their probate estate. If you had a charity or a probate estate, then the five-year rule always applied and there was no life expectancy that could be used. Um, and, uh, and if someone died with no designated beneficiary at all, um, but it did go to a, um, a living person, then the funds were distributed over the single life expectancy of the person that owned the plan. This is called the ghost rule, and that's still in effect today. So this was all great. We actually did planning uh, for people to 
pass these assets on maybe in special trusts so there could be asset protection for um, younger beneficiaries or beneficiaries who were maybe not competent to handle finances. But here's the deal. What the SECURE Act did was change the general rule for minimum distributions after someone has died from the five-year rule to now a 10-year rule, but only for designated beneficiaries, not for everyone in general, designated beneficiaries. And it didn't matter if the person's death was before or after the the, uh, minimum distributions had been taken. So now the life expectancy payout that we had under the inherited IRA now only is available to eligible designated beneficiaries instead of all designated beneficiaries. Yeah, stay with me here. It gets even better. There's five categories of eligible designated beneficiaries or EDBs. And now there's four different sets of rules that you have to look at to see what the life expectancy payout is for those eligible designated beneficiaries. So, The SECURE Act did not change the rules when you have no designated beneficiary. Uh, That's when you have the five-year rule. But the the 10-year rule still works the way as the five-year rule. There's no annual distributions required with the 10-year rule. You only have to do a distribution in the final year, and then that's the required minimum distribution. So what that means is, You can continue to let it accumulate and build up over the 10 years, but by the 10th year, you have to take everything out. Well, that could mean now that the beneficiary is in a significantly higher tax bracket because of all the money coming out of that retirement plan. Now, this will not apply to Roth IRAs. The money will come out tax-free, but it still has to come out according to the 10-year rule. So here's, here's the deal. One of the things that this means is that um, we now focus on who are eligible designated beneficiaries. And when I come back after the break, I'm going to talk about the very, very narrow exceptions that now permit a life expectancy to be used instead of the 10-year rule when we're talking about eligible designated beneficiaries. It's a little bit hard to follow, but you know what? The good thing is you can listen to this on the podcast later on. Uh, If you didn't catch it all this time, you can always listen to it again uh, because it will be podcast at kdo.biz. So after the break, I'll come back and talk about eligible designated beneficiaries and the SECURE Act. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to do a little more discussion here about uh, changes under the SECURE Act. Uh, First of all, uh, for surviving spouses of someone who owned a retirement plan of some kind, uh, a surviving spouse, under prior law, surviving spouse could either do uh, a rollover and make it their own IRA, a rollover IRA. Many of you out there may actually have those. 
or a surviving spouse could uh, take an outright distribution of the entire plan, pay all the taxes all at once, or take it as an inherited IRA with a life expectancy distribution um, of the, um, and, and that might actually be beneficial for a spouse who is still quite a ways away from the age when you can take monies out without a tax penalty, but uh, and needs access to some of the funds, then taking maybe some of it as an inherited IRA made sense. Under the new law, there um, basically you have a um, worse off situation for surviving spouses. Uh, the surviving spouse can still take um, take it as an inherited IRA. A surviving spouse can still do a rollover. But it used to be a surviving spouse could actually have the retirement plan paid to a type of trust called a Q-tip trust, um, which was a, a trust set up with the assets of the deceased spouse for the benefit of the surviving spouse. And uh, and it's a special type of tool we use in estate planning. Those now, if you have a... Um, any trust where the surviving spouse is the sole life beneficiary will qualify uh, for the, the lifetime payout. But but if you have a trust like a Q-tip trust that can accumulate monies in it, and then ultimately children or others may be the beneficiaries of whatever's left in there uh, of accumulated income, then the surviving spouse is not the sole designated beneficiary and you end up with basically the 10-year rule. And that is a problem. That means the surviving spouse has to take all of the retirement plan of the deceased spouse over 10 years, uh, front-loading all of the income taxes and then not having a stream of income after the 10 years. So actually spouses are in worse shape Surviving spouses are in worse shape because of the SECURE Act. There are not as many planning options as there were before the SECURE Act went into effect. Now, the next eligible um, designated beneficiary is a minor child of the person who had the retirement plan. Now, I want to emphasize, this is a minor child of the participant in the plan only, not for other minors, such as grandchildren, nieces, nephews, etc. It's only the minor child of the person who's died, which means in most cases you're talking about someone passing away younger, maybe in their 30s or 40s or possibly 50s, than someone passing away who's 65, 70, or 80. Uh, They're not as likely to have minor children, I mean, I do have minor children because I started later in life. My daughters are are approaching 12 years of age in April, and I'm 64. So, yes, I'm an old dad, um, but I'm kind of more exceptional. Um, there are not, not as many dads or moms like me out there that are this age and have minor children. But when you have a minor child, you can actually have a life expectancy if a minor child is the beneficiary of a retirement plan. But here's the catch. It's not really a life expectancy. When the minor attains majority, meaning when the minor becomes legally an adult, 
then the life expectancy payout and you convert to the 10-year rule. Now, when a minor becomes an adult is going to really depend on where the minor lives. Um, I mean, the age of majority is 18 in much of the country, but I think there's at least a couple of states where it's 20 years of age, and there may be one or two where it's 21 years of age. So that's the first confusion, and we're probably going to need to wait for regulations to uh, from the IRS to suggest what that really means uh, about attains majority. I mean, what if the minor child lives in another country? Are we talking about using the, the rules in another country to determine attaining majority? Stay tuned for that, because that this is in the law. Congress put in the law, but instead of defining an age, they decided to say attains majority. So that's confusion number one. However, confusion number two is the attaining majority standard can be extended until age 26. Sounds kind of familiar. It's kind of like Obamacare and having being on the health insurance till age 26. Um, if the child is engaged in an education course that's in progress, presumably that means in college, but we don't know just what that means. Is it college? Could it be trade school? Could it be uh, working on their third or fourth AA from a junior college? Uh, does it have to be a graduate program? We don't really know yet because IRS is going to have to make regulations on that. So that's a big question mark up in the air. Um, so age majority could actually be extended to age 26, and then the 10-year rule would apply, assuming you qualified with a course of education, however that ends up being defined by the IRS through uh, regulations, because it's certainly not defined in the code. Uh, the other thing is, if the minor has become disabled, as long as the disability lasts. So if someone's temporarily disabled, however that turns out to be defined by regulations, well, then um, then the there's kind of a tolling, if you will, of the 10-year rule until the person is no longer disabled. So presumably, if someone has become permanently disabled, then they get their life expectancy payout for the rest of their life as long as they're disabled for the rest of their lifetime. So minor children of a participant uh, in an IRA or 401k plan, they're worse off. Uh, worse off. The other thing is you cannot do some kind of a, of a trust um, for all of the kids together, what we used to call a, uh, a pot trust to, that could actually accumulate then uh, accumulate monies and dispense it as needed for a bunch of children, that's probably not going to qualify anymore for the life expectancy payout of any kind. It's going to be uh, qualifying for the 10-year rule. Um, but then again, it's 10 years from uh, which child? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, we're going to have to wait for regulations on that one as well. And then we have the very, very special case of the eligible designated beneficiary, the disabled or chronically ill individual. Now, a disabled individual for this designated beneficiary, eligible designated beneficiary, is defined by reference to Internal Revenue Code Section 72M. 
and that is total disability. So you have to look very specifically and see if someone is, in fact, totally disabled as defined under the law. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're disabled enough to get SSI or Medi-Cal. That may not be totally disabled, but that's the first thing. And then, or chronically ill, and that's defined in another part of the Internal Revenue Code, 7702B sub C2. So, um, no, I'm not going to go into what those terms mean and how you demonstrate status. That That is a whole topic in and of itself, and I don't have time today to really delve into that. But when you have this, the SECURE Act specifically provides for a special type of trust that disabled or chronically ill individuals will receive the life expectancy payout treatment um, and it's called, and you got to love this, they have to come up with something else yet again, the Applicable Multi-Beneficiary Trust. I don't know why they just couldn't call it the the DCI Trust for Disabled or Chronically Ill Trust, uh, but it's the Applicable Multi-Beneficiary Trust, or AMBT. It gets two special deals that nobody else enjoys. Life Expectancy Payout, where you have a trust that is going to have remainder beneficiaries and it can have separate accounts treatment for a subtrust. So here's the deal. Uh, for this trust to work, no one other than the disabled or chronically ill beneficiary can have the right to um, the interest in the plan until the death of Uh, No individual has any right until all eligible designated beneficiaries have died. So you could have remainder beneficiaries in a trust like this that are able-bodied children, for example, or able-bodied others. But um, they only are permitted um, to be in there, and you're only permitted to get the life expectancy of the disabled or chronically ill person if they're the only one who can receive a payout um, during their lifetime. At death, then we basically convert. There's one more eligible designated beneficiary, but I'm going to cover that when I come back after the break. So uh, when we come back after the break, I'm going to finish the discussion of the SECURE Act and how it impacts estate planning in a very general way and suggest to all of you that if you have retirement plans, It may be time to sit down both with your financial advisor and with an estate planning attorney to talk about whether there are some other options that might be available to actually get the benefits of a life expectancy um, by using certain types of trust that may be available. So I'll pick this up after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Uh, This is attorney Bob Bergman with the final segment of our show today about the SECURE Act and its impact on estate planning. I'm only just scratching the surface today. There's a lot more things to dig down deep in here as an estate planning attorney, but there's one more eligible designated beneficiary 
that can take a life expectancy payout, basically the inherited IRA payout that we had prior to the SECURE Act. And that's a designated beneficiary um, who is not more than 10 years younger than the person who died uh, leaving the retirement plan to them. In other words, the designated beneficiary is older than the same age as or younger than, but not more than 10 years younger than the person who died. There's no special rules for this eligible designated beneficiary. Um, This could be used for a couple, for example, where they're not married, so there's no spouse, but at the same time, um, they, they've lived together a long time, and uh, the, the non-participant spouse, the one who doesn't have the retirement plan, is not more than 10 years younger. You know, maybe participant 60 and their partner is 55. Um, they could take the life expectancy payout, even though they're not a spouse, even though they're not a minor child of the person who died, um, they could still qualify. So this could be beneficial in those situations. Uh, But then once that person dies, the eligible designated beneficiary, then the 10-year payout starts at that person's death if they die before the end of their um, life expectancy payout. So um, that is kind of a a summary right there of the SECURE Act that I've given you here. Now, what is the impact? What is the impact that this is going to have on many families? It's going to mean that families are not able to rely on their retirement monies being there to be passed on to their children um, and then have their children be able to use those retirement monies to fund their own retirement in the future because the 10-year payout rule, uh, unless you have a disabled or chronically ill beneficiary or a minor child that became disabled and stayed that way, the 10-year payout rule is going to mean that you're going to have all the money come out, all the taxes have to be paid sometime during that 10-year period. This means that if a child has not been able to accumulate sufficient monies for retirement. They will not be able to rely on the retirement plan of a parent that died to help them fund that retirement. That was a huge deal with the inherited IRA before, before this year. Um, Being able to say, okay, well, I've got a half a million dollars in my IRA. I die. I can leave that to my son, Johnny, over here. And he has a half a million dollars that can be used, can continue to grow internally on a tax-free compounded basis, only paying income tax when he takes it out with his minimum distributions. That's pretty much dead now. Congress has kind of put a bullet to the head of the inherited IRA. And it means that a lot of planning that people did over the years to plan to leave those assets in very specific ways to take care of their children, maybe even to take care of their grandchildren. All those things have been blown up by Congress. It's been done, quite frankly, to provide more benefits and a greater ability to accumulate assets for retirement for people of my generation and older, being able to contribute longer to an IRA. Um, Actually, you know, 
past age 72, not being required to take money out of retirement plan until age 72. There's all kinds of things to give the ability to accumulate more in retirement plans so that there's more available um, for um, for older uh, people in the country to be able to draw from. But the bottom line is the SECURE Act overall is is putting a burden on the next generation and in the case of uh, someone who has no children anymore, maybe just grandchildren, the grandchildren cannot claim the, the life expectancy payout at all. They'll have the 10-year rule. And even if the grandchild's two years old, um, it, it has to come out over 10 years. Pretty much it's going to really, really upset things. Now, I'm looking into and examining an estate planning tool uh, using a charitable remainder trust to kind of mimic the effect of a life expectancy payout. As I research that, eventually I'll come back with a show talking about that. I'm not ready to talk about it today, but I can tell you there will be a future show on that topic. So, winding up the show today, uh, I'll be back next week with a new show. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I hope you have a great weekend and uh, and you're able to set aside the time to see your estate planning attorney or your financial advisor to talk about how the SECURE Act may impact you and your family. Until next week, this is Bob Bergman. We'll talk with you then. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.